Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In today's show, I'll be breaking down the latest Bitcoin technical analysis, as well as the latest from Adam Back and his $100,000 Bitcoin price prediction by March 31st, 2024. Also breaking news, SafeMoon falls 31% in five hours after filing for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Another one bites the dust. Also in today's show, I'll be sharing the latest with the Ledger hack. And uh, so you'll want to pay close attention to this, especially if you're using the Ledger wallet right now. We'll also be discussing First Trust files for a Bitcoin buffer ETF with the SEC. Also, uh, BlackRock met with the SEC yesterday yet again. I think that's like the fourth time in the past couple of weeks. It's getting lit. ETF around the corner. We'll also be discussing Gensler hints that the Grayscale ruling forced the SEC to take a new look at the Bitcoin ETFs. So kudos to Grayscale. Also in today's show, we'll be discussing Arthur Hayes doubles down on his $1 million Bitcoin price prediction following the shift in the U.S. macroeconomic landscape. Also breaking news, the world's largest oil company, Saudi Aramco, partners with SBI Holdings to potentially invest in digital assets. Max Kaiser just responded to this minutes ago. What I heard nine months ago and reported on is happening. Aramco is doing a Michael Saylor and putting billions of dollars into Bitcoin. FOMO is real. Max also shares that the countries that have no Bitcoin on their books will die. Russia, China, Israel, for example, are heading to the shitter. El Salvador is rising. The USA has Bitcoin, but they have loaned them out and will lose them to Michael Saylor. We'll also be discussing the $100,000 God candle, which we renamed the Kaiser candle. And we'll also be taking a look at the overall crypto market. All this, plus so much more in today's show. Yo, what's good, crypto fam? This is first and foremost a video show. So if you want the full premium experience with video, visit my YouTube channel at CryptoNewsAlerts.net. Again, that's CryptoNewsAlerts.net. Today is pod episode number 1492. I'm your host, JV, and today is December 15th, 2023. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. The weekend is amongst us. Let's freaking go. Let's kick it off with our market watch as we do each and every day. We can see Bitcoin correcting, pulled back some. We tapped 43, then corrected. Now we're back down to just under 42, uh, down 1.2% on the daily. We have Ether also correcting, down almost 2%, but still maintaining above 2,200. Solana and AVAX are in the green uh, for the day. And if we zoom out and check out the weekly, as you can see here, Bitcoin is down 3% now on the week. Ether is down 5%, and the big gainers are AVAX and Cardano. And zooming out on the monthly, that takes us all back in the green, with Bitcoin up 18% on the month, still up roughly, what, 160% on the year? Not so shabby. We have Ether up uh, almost 13%, Solana up 76%, and AVAX, the big gainer, up 135% on the month. And checking out coinmarketcap.com, the crypto market cap is pumping once again. We're sitting at 1.61 trillion, we're just shy of 70 billion, in volume in the past 24 hours. The Bitcoin dominance taking a step 
pullback just a little bit, 0.1%. It's up uh, trading or at 51.8% right now. We have the Ether dominance also below 17% at 16.9%. And checking out the top 100 crypto gainers of the past 24 hours, Bonk does it again. The decentralized meme coin on the Solana blockchain is up another 94% on the day. Good Lord. We also have Helium up 24% and ICP up 16.5%. Below that, we have decentralized protocol and then are we followed by osmosis now which altcoins are you most bullish on for this bull run please do let me know in the comments right down below and checking out the crypto bubbles to get a visual perspective of the overall market clearly bonk killing the game for the day also as i mentioned hnt and icp are the rest of the top gainers and the majority of the alts are actually also in the red along with bitcoin and checking out the crypto greed and fear index today we're rated a 70 which is greed yesterday a 72 last week a 72 and last month a 60 in greed so there you have it my crypto fam, how do you feel? December is likely to treat us. We're halfway through the month. We're less, what do we got a week and a half until Christmas. We have ETF approval likelihood around the corner, the deadline being uh, the window between January 5th to January 10th. And then we have a big, massive 2024 Bitcoin halving scheduled to take place in April. So let me know your guys' thoughts. There'll be a lot more millionaires in 2024. Amen, dirty. There are going to be a lot of Bitcoin and crypto millionaires being birthed. That's a given. There's going to be billionaires uh, birthed as well, 100%. But let's kick it off with our uh, Bitcoin TA. And actually, Adam, Back's $100,000 Bitcoin price prediction. In fact, he made a wager betting that the Bitcoin price action will hit $100,000 by March 31st, 2024, which is ultimately right before the halving takes place in April. So let's discuss the latest. What's going on here? Biblical events hurt Bitcoin. Back weighed in on the potential price action of Bitcoin as the next halving, which will see the Bitcoin miners block reward reduced by six and a quarter Bitcoin to 3.125. BTC taking place set in April, uh, four months out. Block reward halvings are programmatically hardwired into the Bitcoin code, taking place after every 210,000 blocks, uh, which are mined. And here you can see the Bitcoin supply issuance is hardwired into the protocol with Bitcoin mining rewards having every 210,000 blocks. So this is Bitcoin inflation versus time. Now, Adam Back uh, says that the overlaid averages of the previous market cycles and halvings indicate that Bitcoin's relative value is trailing behind the widely accepted projections. Multiple events have played a role in driving the price of Bitcoin down, which has also been seen across conventional financial markets. Uh, quoting him here, the last few years were like biblical pestilence and plague. Preach. There was COVID, quantitative easing, and wars affecting power prices, inflation running up people, companies are going bankrupt. The impact has keenly affected the markets and portfolio management, according to BAC. Investment managers have had to manage risks and losses over the past few years, which has necessitated the sale of more liquid assets. Quoting him again, they have to come up with cash, and sometimes they'll sell the good stuff because it's liquid, and Bitcoin is super liquid. It is used uh, this used to happen with gold, and I think that's a factor for Bitcoin in the last couple of years. Now, Bitcoin would have hit 100,000 already, according to Back. So as 2023 comes to a close, uh, many of those macro events that Back cited would have wound down, while more industry-specific failures have also been resolved. This has been reflected in the Bitcoin recent price surge. Thus far this year, again, we're up probably close to 170%. Uh, before, uh, I think we were at like 16,000 starting off the year. Quoting him here, the way of the contagion
Cajun, the companies that went bankrupt because they were exposed to Three Arrows Capital, Celsius, BlockFi, and FTX. That's mostly done. We don't think there are many more big surprises in store. What are your thoughts? Now, the Blockstream CEO predicts the Bitcoin will hit 100,000 per coin in the following market cycle earlier this year and referred back to the point. He believed Bitcoin would have hit this mark already if not for the factors highlighted which we just previously discussed, the, you know what I mean, FTX debacle and the rest of those uh, contagious or contagion events occurring in the market. Now, back also referred to the Bitcoin stock to flow model created by Plan B as a reference point for the potential upside for Bitcoin in 2024. We know that the stock to flow model is ultimately predicting post 2024 having a price action window between 100,000 and a million dollars per coin between 2024 and 2028. Let me know if you agree or disagree with the stock to flow. Back explains Plan B's model and heuristics suggest savvy Bitcoin investors historically bought Bitcoin six months before the halving event and sold into significant surges in price that have occurred in the 18 months following the drop in mining rewards. Quoting him again, people thought it was a bit of a crazy assertion that we might get to 100,000 per coin pre-halving because I said it when the price was around 20,000. And lo and behold, he did. We covered it here on the show earlier in the year. So much respect to Adam Back. He adds that the Bitcoin price hitting 44,000 multiple times in December suggests that his prior prediction might not be so far-fetched. Let me know if you agree or disagree. Now let's discuss the Bitcoin ETF effect. And later in the show, we'll discuss ETFs in more detail in the latest. Prominent investors and market analysts have highlighted the effect of potential approval of several spot ETF apps by the US SEC. Quoting Eric Balchunez, the lead ETF analyst over at Bloomberg, people are asking me if we change the odds. No, we're still holding the line at 90% odds of the approval by January 10th. For this cycle, the same odds we have had for months before it was cool or safe. What we're watching for now, more amended file, final filings for the roll-in and the clarity of the in-kind cash creates. So there you have it. And uh, quoting Michael Novogratz, I think Bitcoin can get to 100,000 even before the ETF and before the halving, but I certainly think the ETF shouldn't be undervalued and it's influence. So there you have it, my crypto fam. Now a little bonus news, uh, Safe Moon. <laughs> I remember Dave Portnoy, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but he was like, you know, he was kind of like talking ish about Bitcoin. And he's like, I invested into Safe Moon. It's safe and it's going to moon. What can go wrong? Well, it just filed for chapter seven bankruptcy, Portnoy. You should have stuck with your freaking Bitcoin position. It's kind of sad. And I always feel sad for the investors who got caught, you know what I mean, in this mess. But nonetheless, that's the risk yeah, I mean, you're exposed to when you're ish coining. So be very careful out there, fam. But now let's dive into our next story of the day and discuss the latest with the Ledger hack. How many of you are currently using the Ledger wallet? Let me know. And if you missed yesterday's show, pay very close attention because here's the latest updates of what's going on with the Ledger hack. And shout out to Tajoras. I appreciate you subbing to the number one daily pod. Bitcoin pod, that is. Much love. Here we go. The Ledger hacker who siphoned away at least 484,000 from multiple Web3 apps December 14th did so by tricking users into making malicious token approvals, according to the team behind blockchain security platform, Cybers. According to the public statement made by multiple parties involved, the hack occurred on the morning of yesterday, December 14th. The attacker used a phishing exploit to compromise the computer of a former Ledger employee. Yikes. Gaining access to the employee's node package manager JavaScript 
account. Now, Ledger did announce here on yesterday at 9.30 a.m., we have identified and removed the malicious version of the Ledger Connect Kit. A genuine version is being pushed to replace the malicious file now. Do not interact with any dApps for the moment, and uh, we'll keep you informed as the situation evolves. Now, once they gained access, they uploaded a malicious update to the Ledger Connect GitHub repo. Ledger Connect is a commonly used package for Web3 apps. Some Web3 apps upgraded to the new version, causing their apps to distribute to malicious code to user browsers. Web3 apps such as Zapper, SushiSwap, Phantom, Balancer, and Revoke.cash were infected with the code. And as a result, the attacker was able to siphon away at least 484,000. And I heard updates, it's now like in the millions, so just FYI. Now, how could it have happened? Let's discuss it. Cyber CEO, Deddy Labid, the Chief Technology Officer, Mayor Delev, and Blockchain Analyst, Hakal Yunel, shed further light on how the attack may have occurred. According to them, the attacker likely used malicious code to display confusing transaction data in the user's wallet, leading the user to approve transactions they didn't intend to. And when developers create Web3 apps that use open source connect kits to allow their apps to connect with user wallets. Now, these kits are stock pieces of code that can be installed in multiple apps, allowing them to handle the connection process without needing to spend time writing code. Now, Ledger's connect kit is one of the options available to handle this task. Now, Jameson Lop shared the following regarding this. It sounds like today's security incident was the culmination of three separate failures at Ledger. Number one, blindly loading code without pinning a specific version and checksum. Number two, not enforcing two-man rules around the code review and development. And number three, not revoking former employee access. So whose fault is it? Clearly, it's Ledger. So do note that. There's a reason I told you guys be very careful with this wallet for months I've been preaching I no longer trust them for many reasons. We've discussed this many times in the show. I like Trezor and these other wallets because I respect open source. And also, I don't like the fact that Ledger has backdoors and clearly they're not following the most safe T protocols we need. And if you're going to lose your crypto. I mean, it's your own fault at the end of the day. So be very careful out there. When a developer first writes their app, they usually install a connect kit through a node package manager. After creating a build and uploading it to their site, their app will contain the connect kit as part of the code, which will then be downloaded into the user's browser whenever the user visits uh, the site. So there you have it. Malicious code. Unfortunately, you got to be very careful of all these attacks. Also, MetaMask wallet isn't safe. It's pretty much also a bug within the Ethereum protocol, you got to keep in mind. So all wallets with Ethereum uh, can be suspect. You know what I mean? So for example, the MetaMask wallet, so many instances I've shared stories right here on the podcast of people being hacked and drained of all of their crypto. So be very careful, family. Now this approval, well, we'll skip that part. Let's see get down to the end here. Here we go. Final paragraph. While Web3 tools in the future could allow attacks like these to be detected and thwarted in advance, the industry still has a long way to go in solving this problem. So there you have it. Uh, be careful out there holding your Ethereum specifically. And if you're using the Ledger wallet, yikes, I would probably replace that wallet with something superior ASAP. Yeah, I mean, now let's discuss new Bitcoin ETF. Yes, let's go. Check it out. First Trust files for the Bitcoin Buffer ETF with the SEC. That's right. The financial services firm Firm Trust is the latest company to follow for a Bitcoin ETF, but not a spot ETF. You got to keep that in mind. December 14th, First Trust submitted a form N1A filing with the US SEC to launch a new Bitcoin link product called the First Trust 
Bitcoin buffer ETF. According to the prospectus, the fund is designed to participate in the positive price returns before the fees and expenses of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust or another exchange-traded product, which is an ETP, that provides exposure to the performance of Bitcoin. Now, unlike a spot Bitcoin ETF, which is linked to the performance of Bitcoin, a buffer ETF uses options to pursue a defined investment outcome. So there you have it. I guess buffer is just another term for futures. A buffer ETF is designed to protect investors from market drop losses by placing a buffer or a limit on the stock's growth over a defined period, also known as a defined outcome ETF. Buffer ETFs use options to guarantee an investment outcome and seek to provide a targeted level of downside protection if the markets experience negative returns. Now, Bloomberg ETF analyst James Safart shared that on the first Trust Bitcoin buffer ETF, stating that these types of funds protect against a set percentage of downside loss with capped upside, quoting uh, the analyst here, expect to see other entrants in the space with unique differentiated strategies offering Bitcoin exposure, overcoming uh, the weeks as mentioned uh, right here on X. Now, First Trust's Bitcoin buffer ETF is one of the first such ETF filings with the US SEC. And according to data from ETF.com, there are now 139 buffer ETFs trading on the US markets. That's right, with total assets under management amounting to $32.5 billion. And buffer ETFs can be found in asset classes such as equity, commodities, and fixed income. Buffer ETFs have been ballooning in recent years with the world's largest ETF issuer, BlackRock, debuting its first iShares buffer ETFs back in June of this year. The new products, the iShares Large Cap Moderate Buffer ETF and the iShares Large Cap Deep Buffer ETF had added 5 and 2% since launch, respectively, according to data from TradingView. Now, despite the capabilities, a buffer ETF still doesn't guarantee complete protections. Be careful. As it might seem, you may lose some or all of your money by investing in the fund. The fund has characteristics unlike many of the other typical investment products and may not be suitable for all investors. Quoting them here, there can be no guarantee that the fund will be successful in its strategy to provide downside protection against underlying ETF losses, said BlackRock ETF expert Jay Jacobs. He wrote that in five questions on buffer ETFs. A buffer ETF also doesn't provide principal or non-principal protection, meaning that an investor may still lose the entire investment. Your best bet, if you're a regular pleb like the rest of us, just stack Bitcoin in a cold storage wallet. Don't worry about these ETFs because they're going to get 20% of your investment over time as well. So you got to keep all of that in mind. These ETFs are for the big dogs, the institutions with the mass capital looking to deploy it into Bitcoin. Now, other breaking news. I just shared this on X. Yesterday, BlackRock met with the SEC yet again to discuss their spot Bitcoin ETF. This is like their fourth meeting in the past few weeks. So definitely a bullish sign because there's ongoing communication back and forth between the two. So we know they're entertaining this approval. Do you think this approval for BlackRock will likely come by the deadline of January 10th? Let me know your thoughts. But anyways, let's uh, dive into our next story of the day. We still have a lot to cover. The next story is Gensler talking about the Grayscale ETF and that lawsuit recently in which uh, the SEC actually took an L and GBTC won. They're trying to convert their trust into a spot Bitcoin ETF. So here's the latest what Gary Gensler had to share regarding this. I mean, everyone's favorite chairman of the SEC, Gary the Worm, Mr. No Clarity 
Gary. U.S. SEC Chairman Gensler hinted that the regular or regulator has been rethinking its approach to the spot Bitcoin ETF products following the recent Grayscale court decision. Speaking on December 14th, we actually did a React session on Rumble to his speech. If you missed that, you can catch that on Rumble later. Gensler was questioned about the long list of pending spot Bitcoin ETF apps. He said the SEC has between eight and a dozen filings going through the process at the moment. Now, there's actually 13 I'm uh, aware of, and these are for spot ETFs. Uh, sharing what he said here, we have in the past denied a number of these applications, he said, before adding that the courts have weighed in on that. What followed was a statement suggesting the agency could be changing its tack on Bitcoin, quitting him here. So we're taking a new look at this based upon those court rulings. So yeah, he admits it. And uh, we all know they've been suppressing the spot ETF for a freaking decade. That's when the first application was actually submitted to the SEC by the Winklevoss twins of the Gemini Exchange. And ever since, they haven't been allowing it. But why have they allowed all these future ETFs? Why? I think they're allowing their homeboys, such as BlackRock and the rest of Wall Street, to seed their products for their ETFs. What are your thoughts? Now, news anchor Sarah Eisen asked whether he was referring to Grayscale. However, Gensler evaded the question because he's no Claire Gare, stating that everything at the SEC is done within the laws Congress has passed and how the court interprets them. Well, you need to start listening to Congress because Congressman, uh, what's his name? Uh, Emmer, he is telling you to approve the ETF spot immediately. How many of you remember that? Now, in August, the federal judge overturned the SEC decision to deny an ETF offering from Grayscale Investments to his Bitcoin trust. Since then, several large asset managers, including BlackRock, the world's largest, Fidelity, Grayscale, Invesco, Galaxy, VanEck, and Valkyrie are now in the race to launch a spot Bitcoin ETF. All applications have been delayed, but some analysts are confident that a batch approval will occur in early January 2024. Do you agree with that sentiment that we're likely to get a basket of these ETFs approved at the same time for the SEC to avoid showing favoritism, which can lead to some lawsuits? Let me know your thoughts. And in a separate interview with Bloomberg's Kaylee Lanes on December 14th, Gensler sidestepped questions yet again <laughs> regarding the number of filings for spot Bitcoin products. Instead, he spoke about the recent changes of the U.S. Treasury market as the focus of the agency's priorities, saying, oh, it's not, we're not even focused on the ETFs. In response to Gensler's interview, here's what Brian Steele commented on Twitter. Chair Gensler obfuscates on crypto with the press like he does at committee hearings. He does not want to explain his agency's aggressive regulatory approach, which is pushing crypto offshore. Very well said. Gensler very rarely gives clear answers. He is a master at hedging his words. He is a deflector is ultimately what they're trying to say. Uh, you know what I mean? Let me know if you agree or disagree with that sentiment. Like I said, we did a react session to this actual interview on Rumble yesterday. If you missed it, you can check it out later on my channel over on Rumble. So let me know your thoughts uh, surrounding GBTZ, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, the largest hodler of Bitcoin that currently have over 620,000 Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Do you think they're likely to get the green light from the SEC and be able to convert their trust into a spot Bitcoin ETF. What are your thoughts? Let's dive into our next story of the day. I appreciate all the feedback, all the comments, all the interaction. Now let's discuss the latest with uh, Arthur Hayes doubling down on his $1 million price prediction and a uh, happy Kwanzaa to everyone who celebrates Kwanzaa. Let's go. So here we go. Here's the latest from Just Blaze. Arthur Hayes doubling down on his million dollar price prediction. Let's break it down. Going long crypto is the key to success as markets bet on the United States Federal Reserve lowering interest rates 
next year, according to Arthur Hayes. December 13th, the latest meeting of the FOMC, Fed policymakers voted to continue a freeze on interest rate hikes. Let me know if you feel they'll live up to their word here. And while broadly expected, a subsequent speech and press conference with the chairman, Jerome Powell, sparked talk of impending rate cuts, an event known as Pivot, in their policy. Now, while we believe that our policy rate is likely at or near its peak for this tightening cycle, the economy has surprised forecasters in many ways since the pandemic and ongoing progress towards our 2% inflation objective is not assured. I think it's crazy that it's like, yeah, we got uh, inflation under control at 2%. Meanwhile, the real inflation when they're not fudging the numbers is closer to 20, potentially 30%. Depends on what we're using to measure it, right? We got to look at real estate. You got to look at food and all of the things that are going up crazily. You know what I mean? Now with that market consensus over what might happen at the next FOMC meeting in January began to diverge. Per data from the CME, Group's FedWatch tool, the odds of a cut coming early in 2024 currently stand at 18.6%. Let me know your thoughts, family. Now, Fed Decision Day was followed by mainstream media attention, focusing on the increasing optimism that U.S. monetary policy would begin to unwind after the unprecedented rate tightening cycle. Reposting one such story, Hayes was in no two minds about what the knock-on effect for liquidity-sensitive crypto would be. Quoting him here, at this point, there is no excuse not to be long crypto. How many more times must they tell you that the fiat in your pocket is a filthy piece of trash? Hayes further reiterated his longstanding $1 million Bitcoin price prediction as a result of macro tides eroding the value of national currencies. In fact, we covered this previously on the show. He's projecting Bitcoin reaching between $750,000 and $1 million per coin post 2024 having. Let me know if you agree or disagree with Crypto Haze. And we already discussed the ledger hack and the price action, so we'll skip right past that. And uh, quoting him here from X, at this point, there is no excuse not to be long crypto. How many more times must they tell you that your fiat in your pocket is a filthy piece of trash? Believe in the Lord and he shall set you free. Bitcoin and $1 million Yahtzee. So there you go. How many of you remember Yahtzee? That was actually a fun game I used to play when I was a kid. Remember, you'd have the dice in the cup. You roll it. Yahtzee, let's go. <laughs> the Kaiser candle for president. Now we're talking. And speaking of the Kaiser candle, let's dip into our feature story of the day, shall we? Let's discuss the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, as well as Qatar, adopting Bitcoin and ultimately converting their sovereign wealth fund into BTC. There's some insights and some bombshells Max Kaiser recently shared. So let's break this feature story of the day down, shall we? Let's start with this headline. World's largest oil company, Saudi Aramco, partners with SBI Holdings to potentially invest in digital assets. This is a big deal because it's the largest oil company in the world, and this is the largest bank out of Japan, SBI Holdings. Now, Max Kaiser just tweeted this morning the following after I made a tweet for my show. He wrote, what I heard nine months ago and reported on is happening. Aramco is doing a Michael Saylor and putting billions of dollars into Bitcoin. FOMO is real. So there you have it. He says they're already purchasing billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. Now, Max also tweeted this morning, countries that have no Bitcoin on their books will die. Russia, China, 
Israel, for example, are heading to the shitter. El Salvador is rising. The USA has Bitcoin, but they have loaned them out and will lose them to Michael Saylor. Let me know if you agree or disagree to that sentiment. In other headlines, Saudi Aramco on the verge of embracing Bitcoin. Let's freaking go. Another headline, Bitcoin maxing advisor to El Salvador president, Max Kaiser, predicts the Bitcoin price to hit 375,000 per coin. He actually has a, a tweet right here, um, which he shares. Bitcoin price was lagging behind the rise of the hash rate while competitor CZ and Binance was being targeted and then taken down at the behest of the large Wall Street players. The price rise is now catching up to the implied hash adjusted price of 375,000 per coin. Now, I think that's a pretty solid target for this cycle peak. What are your thoughts? Do you think we'll likely to catch up to the adjusted implied hash adjusted price? Let me know your thoughts. Uh, other news here, I wanna share some recent uh, tweets from him regarding this topic as well. So on the back of this headline, he also wrote, translation, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Qatar are about to drop $1 trillion into Bitcoin. That's how we translate this headline of the world's largest oil company partnering with the Japanese finance giant to invest in digital assets. He also wrote, Russia, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Iran will start doing deals in Bitcoin. Qatar knows this and is pulling the trigger on a huge Bitcoin buy for their sovereign wealth fund. And he shared this off the back of the news. Iran's president arrives in Moscow, Russia to meet Putin just one day after the Russian leader met Saudi leaders. So are all the these leaders of the world meeting, discussing Bitcoin and de-dollarization, just like the BRICS movement. What are your thoughts? I mean, this is pretty powerful. He also wrote that the God candle is a $100,000 uptick in Bitcoin, which is in play. It will shift the global access to wealth and power in a single tick. Let's freaking go. He also shared, I have one word for you, $100,000 Bitcoin God candle fans. Qatar, let's go. The rumors are getting very loud on this. Their sovereign wealth fund is rumored to be looking to buy a half a trillion dollars worth of BTC. Now, their emir, who is ultimately their king or president, did meet with Bukele a few months back. You can see the evidence of that right here, Bukele and uh, the Qatar president. He also wrote update to add some more clarity. Here's what my source said. Bitcoin makes our one half trillion dollar sovereign wealth fund effectively worthless. We should just convert all of it into Bitcoin. Let me know if you agree or disagree. I think that would be lit if there was that much Bitcoin to actually buy in the open market right now. But nonetheless, that's a big deal. So now you know the context. Now, also, he wrote uh, this morning, Volcano Energy is advising President Bukele on volcano bonds. We have identified 18 volcanoes out of 27 that are prime locations for geothermal Bitcoin mining. Let's go. Now, geothermal energy is genius using free energy that the volcano is naturally producing to mine Bitcoin. Now, how many volcanoes are there across Central America, South America, and different parts of the world? They have identified already uh, out of the 27, 18 that are prime locations for geothermal. So this can start a domino effect for massive Bitcoin mining operations across the globe. So this is a pretty big deal. And we also have talks of President of Colombia becoming a Bitcoiner recently, has 100,000 sats that Samson Mao gifted him. There's other countries talking about adopting Bitcoin as a legal tender uh, as well. So there's a lot going on. There's so much bullishness and it's a beautiful thing. But let's get back to this story here because this is a massive partnership. Saudi Aramco, the largest oil and gas company, might be on the brink of investing in digital assets. Which digital asset do you think they'll choose? 
I mean, clearly, Bitcoin being the king, why wouldn't they? The company, which has a market cap of over $2 trillion, so they have the funds, they have the resources, and they just signed a memorandum of understanding with SBI Holdings. I believe that's like the largest bank, correct me if I'm wrong, in Japan to explore collaboration in various fields of investment, including digital assets, aka Bitcoin. Now, they established that both companies will collaborate in the field of digital assets and co-investments, leveraging both parties' investment portfolios related to digital assets. SBI has an extensive investment in companies that use digital assets in their business model. The company recently partnered with the stablecoin company Circle and has a long-time collaboration with Ripple, which is a crypto-based payments company. So this is pretty big. The memorandum details that Saudi Aramco will identify and support Japanese startups in the digital asset area area that wishes to expand their business in the Middle East, supporting their entry and growth into the region. So there you have it. I also want to read you some stuff from which article that we have here, right here. So Max Kaiser is now up 20 million percent on his Bitcoin investment since 2011. And he has been telling us about Bitcoin since 2011. Now, how many Bitcoin millionaires have been birthed as a result of Max and Stacy and the Kaiser Report? You do the math. Probably millions. So much respect to Max. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Bitcoin is the most appreciative asset in human history. And we can still do another easy 100x. If you're here for the long haul, let me know. And don't forget to check out CryptoNewsAlerts.net for the full premium experience with video and to participate in our live Q&A. And I look forward to seeing you on tomorrow's episode. Hoddle.